0: Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts.
1: It's a Thursday, 6th day of October. Can we believe it? We're into the final quarter of 2022. Boy, how time flies when you're not having fun, huh? (laughs) Well, hopefully today's program. I I don't know if it's going to be as much fun as it will be informative, as uh, we are certainly going to unpack some very important issues on today's program. A little bit later on, I want to talk a bit about what appears to be maybe a, a, I don't know, if it's another iteration of the arab spring of december of 2010 the repeat of the student protests in tehran of 2013 could the current series of protests we're seeing across iran as um, a consequence of the let's put it in the clearest of terms assassination the murder of Masha Amini, who was um, taken into custody by the morality police in Tehran and wound up from there being transported to a hospital and died three days later from uh, blunt force trauma. And they say she fell. Yeah, she didn't fall. It's assassination, and the country is protesting, and women in particular are upset. Does this current round of protests have the potential sticking power ...to topple the government, a brutal government that has stayed in power largely over the last 40-something years by violence and force. Pastor Hermuz Shayat will join us coming up later on in tonight's program for a discussion. It has been a remarkable year... And in many ways, I think a lot of us are astonished at some of the things that have happened, both good and bad. One certainly and decidedly on the good list was a decision handed down mid-year at the close of the term by the United States Supreme Court that finally brought to an end 49 years and six months of abortion in the United States. In an erroneous companion pair of decisions, Dovey Bolden Roe versus Wade, first handed down by the High Court in January of 1973. And while there's much to celebrate, uh, there's certainly still much work to be done. Witness, for example, California Proposition 1 uh, seeking to essentially codify this state with your tax dollars as a so-called sanctuary state inviting individuals from all over the country to come here at California expense to receive abortions at your expense. In addition to that, we know that this state will continue to stand on the front line of the pro-abortion position, making the work of getting information out to the women of California, encouraging them to explore all of their choices, beginning with making them aware of the totality of what potential decisions they could make, not just the singular, you have an unplanned pregnancy, make the appointment with Planned Parenthood and head on in, but instead to understand the totality of the implications of their decision, which has far-reaching effects, certainly not only for the child always, but for the mother and the father, extended family members as well. So what can we be doing to do a better job, in many respects, of assisting women and families that find themselves in these circumstances here in california well with some insights we're joined by the ceo of real options valerie hill and valerie always a delight and an education to have you with us i realize that uh, it's maybe a bit premature to be giving sort of a review of the year that was uh but with a scant three months left on the calendar give me your sense in terms of not just the impact of this historic decision reversing a major error done by a previous court almost 50 years ago that was handed down in June of this year, but also in the practical sense, what this has meant for organizations like Real Options and your task.
2: Well, thanks so much, Craig, for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to the listeners tonight. Um, It it has been uh, somewhat of a quandary for us at Real Options and all of us in California that care about life and want to protect and serve women and men in difficult situations because although the Supreme Court, what they did really was turn from a very wrong decision, from a very sinful decision, and basically repented of that decision from 49 years ago. We live in a culture in America where people have come to think of abortion as their right, and therefore, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of vitriol, there's a lot of confusion, and in California, it is making it harder on us to reach the women that need us, uh, because we have a governor that is bent on abortion being the only choice. We have a legislature that's mostly bent on the same, taking their orders from the governor and others like him across the country. Um, We may have Prop 1 to still vote on, but he's passed so much pro-abortion legislation here and even put up plenty of billboards across the country in the pro-life states to say, come on over to California. It's your body um, quoting Mark, the scripture in Mark about being a good neighbor, but he forgets that the most vulnerable in the womb is the one that we're supposed to care the most for as a good neighbor. And so he's inviting women on our taxpayer dollars when people are hurting with inflation, with gas prices, with everything else that's going on. Um, we're having to now pay the bill for a, all abortion and it's, it's really gross and disgusting. Not to mention tech giants line up with him and cut us off from using keywords. So when women type in the word abortion or abortion information, we used to come up with Planned Parenthood alongside and our ads always said, does not refer or provide for abortion, but come on in, have an ultrasound, see if you have a viable pregnancy. Let us give you all the services we can to assist you and all the emotional support that we can. And uh, that was our number one way women found us all these years now is Google search. And we're cut out of that arena. Um, Yelp has cut us out. They want us labeled uh, as a crisis pregnancy center and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with those because that's how we all started so many 40 41 years ago but we're we're licensed medical clinics here in the bay area and we're here to be holistic and life-affirming and not to be political and not to um be destructive i i think one of the biggest things craig is that our country needs healing, and you can see it everywhere, on the street and over every issue. Our country needs healing. And until women who've had abortions over the last 49 years are healed, and those men that fought and paid for them or coerced them uh, are healed, until our people in this country are healed, There's going to be this battle of wills and thinking that abortion is a right. All we're saying is women deserve better. They deserve a choice. They deserve support. They deserve all the services that Real Options has to offer to them. They deserve better than abortion, and their children deserve better.
1: You know, what's amazing about this topic is that th- there is such a concerted effort to try and kind of keep it, uh, you know, keep it the dirty little secret, um, uh, not allowing women to, to be able to face the consequences, the totality of, of their decision. And I want to choose my words carefully here. When I say consequences, certainly there's always the consequences of what happens to the, yeah. the terminated life. But there are also the consequences, the, the physical and emotional consequences of those yeah. decisions, Do interrupt a biological process in a horrific fashion the body is certainly going to react to all of that but more importantly you know you talk to any mother and their behalf of you listening to this program right now have probably been in this situation where uh, you first felt that that life moving around inside of you you instinctively understood what this was this was not a glob of tissue, this was not an inconvenience. This was a baby and you knew it. And your body told you that, but most importantly, your heart told you that. Had you yeah. an abortion May change the status of that child's future, but it doesn't change the reality that you did at one time have another human being, another life growing inside of you. And I've got to imagine that part of the agenda here of the um, pro-abortion movement beyond finances is to, is to keep the reality of the side effects of this experience as, as sir suppressed as possible because if you don't give women an opportunity in a safe space where they can talk about their experiences, their feelings, what they've gone through, that healing is going to never take place. And the sort of um, uh, unfortunate consequence of that is that many will continue to at least publicly and verbally uh, appear to be supportive of all of this. uh, Meanwhile, doing so simply because they've never really confronted the, the issues of this topic in their own life and one of the beautiful things about the work of real options is to not only help women that are dealing with this issue right in the here and now but also women who have gone through it in the past and have so many unanswered questions that sense of um, what's the saying go the, the lack of closure and many aspects of what Real Options is doing is ministering to not just the child within, but ministering to the entire family and addressing not just the physical aspect of this, but also the spiritual and emotional side of this equation. Valerie Hill is with us today, CEO of Real Options. We're talking a bit about uh, what an incredibly historic year that 2022 has been in the pro-life arena, but also a look at some of the challenges that remain ahead. We'll get to that part of the conversation as our visit with Valerie Hill continues here on this Thursday edition of Lifeline from KFAX.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome
1: back to the conversation. We've been kind of unpacking um, the year that has been, and I, I mean, it seems to be a bit premature. We're only here at the start of October. We're already talking about what's happened in 2022, but it's been a significant year to be sure, and, and particularly in the pro-life arena. With that said... As much as there have been tremendous work accomplished that's taken us 49 years to get here, there's so much work ahead. And as Valerie Hill continues our conversation, she, of course, the CEO of Real Options. Let's talk about some of the work ahead. And I get the sense, at least for states like our own, Valerie, uh, where other states are celebrating the high court's decision, we here in California and looking at this significant paradigm shift and what's been happening in Sacramento with our own extremely liberal legislature and governor, uh, can only imagine that for California, it's it's going going. going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Talk to us about those challenges and most importantly what Real Option is doing to address those needs and then to a broader degree how all of us get involved to make a difference.
2: Well thanks Craig. We are doing our best right now to gear up. We want to be able to serve those women coming from other states. We want to be able to we want them to be able to find us. So our marketing director is pivoting and she's doing what she can to try other avenues so that women will find us. Um, our team is is gearing up. We are um, offering, we're trying to offer more of those healing retreats that you and I have talked about in the past. And uh, we have one coming up on November 11th through 13th. That's a, a great Thing for people to put on their calendar and we're seeing more men get involved and so we're gearing up a men's initiative. Uh, we've tried this over the years but we've got some really great momentum going now with having men as health coaches in our clinics for the men that come in, not for the women, but for the men. We're seeing more, more men coming in with the women for their first time ultrasound and to, to have a options consultation. And those men, uh, we want someone that can sit down with them and, and talk to them and listen to them and flip them to be the support that they need to be those women if they care about their child then then it's time to learn how to care about the mother of the child and to do what they can so those health coaches um, they'll be certified in our program the same as our female coaches and advocates are and that's what holistic care is all about we have fantastic nurses and nurse practitioners and people to provide medical services so we do the, the two-pronged approach the wraparound safety net that we are for women and men who are dealing with unplanned pregnancy and so we're going to be um having a great guest to talk about this and other issues uh, from a man's perspective and i think it's about time men join the conversation and join the equation and I think they're finally feeling like they might have a place because they're also repenting and they're also getting coming for healing and finding wholeness and want something different for the future and so David Williams who's a national speaker will be at our Ignite Life event on November 5th Saturday, November 5th in person at Calvary Chapel in San Jose, or virtually. Uh, We'll have both options to register for on our website, FriendsOfRealOptions.net. And we're excited because David has been a leader in in international ministry, helping men, women, and families recover after abortion. He has an amazing, uh, powerful story, authentic story of his own choice for abortion and how it affected him as a man, as a husband, as a father, and uh, the healing that he found and how different his college life would have been uh, and his experience going forward had he not chosen abortion. It so lines up with everything we're doing, prevention in the local schools, to avoid pregnancy and to make healthy decisions and have healthy relationships. And and then in college, we're on the college campuses, especially at San Jose State and other universities locally with a presence to offer students more information and support and the services of our medical clinics. And then the, cl- the five clinics around the Bay Area um, just everything that we're doing and then the healing through Rachel's Vineyard and our preg- Pregnancy loss support groups online twice a month. Um, I believe there's one tonight that's at 6 o'clock. People can dial in or it's a Zoom call. Go to friendsofrealoptions.net. So there's great things happening um, through the Ignite Life uh, program, but we are all talking about capacity. How do we serve more women. We need to hire more nurses. That's the number one thing that we need at Real Options. We need nurses. Registered nurses, nurse practitioners. If you have a heart for the Lord, if you have a heart for life and you want to impact lives, change lives and help safeguard lives, Real Options is the right team for you to join. In one of our five-day area clinics we would love to have you we're going to hire and increase the uh, number of nurses per clinic and we want those exam rooms filled. we want those ultrasound machines being used because we want to serve more people here in the bay area we want to make an impact for future generations this is the time craig this is the time to look at this from the positive and take the challenge we're not going to walk away and close our doors We're not going to take down the safety net for women and men and families, but we're going to ramp it up. We're going to, our supporters are are with us. Um, Many are prayer warriors, many are volunteers, and many are so faithful and generous to help us keep these five clinics going. Our education program and our pregnancy loss healing, so that we can wrap around the care and the love of Christ, to everyone that walks in our doors.
1: And that, that broader sort of whole family approach, I think, is so critically important because oftentimes, and I, I think this is a, a failure on the pro-life side and a manipulative tool on the um, pro-abortion side that we kind of discount the role that men play. But, you know, biologically, yeah. uh, it's it's uh, still proven very necessary for men to have a role. And if the men have a role at the beginning, they ought to be included in the whole process. We've seen this just recently in the news here and, and, and how individuals that, that – In a moment of saying, it's more than I can handle, encourage women to do things, they feel like they're being pressured or they're being given no other choice, and so as a result, they make a decision, they wind up regretting it, and then... Following that experience becomes sometimes years, decades of lies, manipulation, subterfuge, all of this, because the weight of that decision, the irrevocable decision, is so heavy upon their heart that they they come up with coping mechanisms in an effort to try and cope, all the while, in fact, uh, that guilt and shame resides just down below the surface. Addressing the totality of everyone that's impacted by these decisions is so important and, and critically so to be there at the leading edge so that when a woman finds herself in an unplanned pregnancy, she doesn't feel as if she's being coerced or forced or with no options or with no one to support her. And having that sense of support and encouragement and access to all of the information necessary to make a true informed decision is critically important, and that's been the mission of Real Options for all these years. To find out how you can get involved through support, volunteerism, uh, attending that upcoming uh, gathering that Valerie spoke of just a couple of moments ago on Saturday, November 5th, we invite you to check out FriendsOfRealOptions.net. On the web. That's friendsofrealoptions.net. And certainly as you think about your end of year planned giving, be sure to keep real Options in mind. Friendsofrealoptions.net. Our thanks to Valerie Hill, CEO of Real Options, for joining us for an insight. It's 530 from KFAX.
0: And now, back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: In 1979, in the waning days of the Carter administration, what was that, uh, 42, 43 years ago, there was a student-led uprising in Tehran that ultimately resulted in the ouster of the Shah of Iran. And um, I think at the time, most Iranians that participated in all of that thought that there was going to be a new chapter in the life of the people of Iran, and that it would be a happier brighter future with the Shaw than deposed. Unfortunately, in the ensuing forty three years just the opposite has happened that the situation of the life of the people of Iran has gone from bad to worse to be sure in recent memory, there have been a number of attempts to try and um, once again bring about an uprising to encourage change. there was the Arab Spring in December of twenty ten just about eleven twelve years ago more recently the student protests in july of twenty three um, every or twenty thirteen rather every Every time this happens, though, the, um, the the political leadership of Iran shuts everything down. And usually in the process, the tens, if not hundreds of lives are lost. Well, Iran finds itself once again in the crosshairs of another such protest. This is a protest regarding the actions of the so-called morality police in Tehran that um, arrested Masha Amini allegedly because she was not wearing a Habib properly or fully. And um, sadly, while in police custody, she wound up in a hospital, shortly thereafter died from blunt force trauma. Now, the Iranian authorities insist that she simply fell while in their custody. But I think even the casual observer understands that it was something quite different. What do we make of the current round of protests? Could this round be any different? Considering the fact that minimum 50% of the Iranian population has been abused, mishandled, and uh, I don't know what other word to use other than to suggest uh, that they have been at the receiving hand of a vicious regime for 43 years, maybe now the women of Iran— have reached the point where they're saying enough... Is enough to gain some insights as to what has happened with the current round of protests and where potentially they could head. Could this mean a significant change one day in Iran and bring about true freedom? To offer some insights, we have the founder of Iran Alive Ministry, Pastor Hormoz Sharit. And Pastor, as always, great to have you on the program. And I, I'm curious, first and foremost, to kind of get your your sense as to what brought about this particular event, why we're seeing the reaction that we are now, and uh, whether or not the, the new president of Iran is going to be able to crush this this rebellion with the same degree of success that we've seen with Rouhani or uh, Ahmadinejad before him. Well, thank you so much, Craig, for allowing me to share.
3: So much is happening. History is in the making in Iran, and of course, we know the end of Iran in Jeremiah 49:38, we know that uh, the Lord says, I will set my throne there. That's Elam, that's completely inside Iran. So we as Christians, we know where we are going. We might go through hard times as prophesied in Jeremiah 49 and verses 34 and on. So it's along the God's... Um, prophesied history of Iran. We are just taking those steps. It's painful, yes, but the end that Iran will be a Christian nation, that's what I get from Jeremiah 49. By the way, I was one of those students in 79 myself. That's right. Uh, I was a younger student there shouting death to America, death to Shah. And I had to. Repent of that many times and apologize to the younger generation many times because that brought forty some years of oppressive regime implementing this is very important. They did implement Islam according to Quran. So after forty two years of Islamic rule, here the people of Iran say we have experienced Islam. And we know what it is, and we don't want it. So it's not an emotional reaction. It's a very deliberate and determined relation uh, uh, decision to reject Islam. And that's one reason, Craig, that Iran has the fastest growing evangelical population in the world, because as they are rejecting Islam as they're seeing the true face of Islam as Islam has been unmasked for them they look at it and they say what else is out there we don't want this that's why we see such an open heaven in Iran and many many are coming to Christ the number of salvations. you know we started in Bay Area I planted the church in Sunnyvale which is still there and then we went on the satellite television to go over the heads of these mullahs to get into people's homes about 20 years ago. But the last two years, we have seen an increase 10 to 20 times more salvations than the previous 18 years. So to wrap up, the people of Iran are at the point that they're saying we don't want this regime and we don't want this uh, the Islam itself. now how did it triggered it as you mentioned it, the thing was triggered because a young 22 year old um, visiting Tehran, a tourist, had a little bit of hair showing. so morality police arrests her and then they beat her up and she dies. So that triggered all these suppressed hatred, suppressed anger. Um, of all people. So th- now it's not just uh, uh, women, it's the whole country on, is on streets and they are shouting, "There yeah! to the dictator. It's not about hijab, it's not about the covering. They don't want this
1: regime. Is it fair to say from your perspective, Pastor, that as we sort of try to dissect many of the elements, and this is this is multifaceted, it is complicated in, in many respects, but I think what I'm hearing you say that this, this current uprising is not simply people that are protesting violence, although that certainly is a major component. It's not people that are longing for freedom of the press, although that certainly is a major component or to be able to bask in many of the other benefits of, of, of a true democracy. But part of this uprising is also people that are spiritually dissatisfied with their current experience, and, and maybe up close and personal. You know, it, it, it would be hard, I think, for any Westerner to really fully understand the implications of what life would be like under Sharia law unless you've lived under it. But for those there who do and who have for 40 plus years in some cases, is there an element to this that's also the people of Iran looking to, to break free of the bonds of Islam itself from a religious standpoint and looking for spiritual freedom that there's a a lack of a spiritual fulfillment in their lives right now that they're seeking to address? Well,
3: that eventually ends to that, but that's not the main component. Um, the main driving force is the economy. You know, most people, just if they have a comfortable life, they don't care about politics. They're comfortable with the, uh, with their own religion, you know. So what happened uh, in Iran is that this regime, um, number one, economy is uh, so bad that uh, over 50% of people are poor, which means they have a hard time just to uh, um, eating, just living day to day, just providing for their own family, so the economy is number one, number two is uh, uh, the corruption. you know one hundred and fifty billion that obama gave gave them and uh, left the sanctions did not help Iranian people after a few years. they said we are more miserable now than before the uh, Obama released that, so uh, they see all this embezzlement, all the corruption and they feel they have been taken advantage of they are working hard and the mullahs are working not working hard but they are billionaires there are many billionaires if you look up google the number of billionaires in iran is greater than america so the, the few people use the oil money to get rich and here the majority of people are poor so the The start of it is uh, is finances, it's economy, but then people look at why is this happening? Who is is doing this to us? Oh, it is mullahs. Why are they doing it? Oh, they are just implementing Quran. So it's a journey going from the day-to-day suffering to the roots of the suffering, which is Islam itself.
1: And when we talk to that degree, um, certainly I've got to imagine that there's must be some information coming in from the outside. You mentioned about your own program via satellite where the people of Iran are getting exposed to other options other truths out there and discovering that you know to a degree their economic circumstances while right now certainly the whole globe is is dealing with the the fallout of covid and and the current inflationary situation but but is there a degree to which also they're beginning to with the advent of technology and internet and so on and so forth see life in other places that just doesn't look like the one that they're living right now and they long for something different
3: that definitely has contributed a lot, you know, with the technology. Uh, even though the internet is very controlled and the government has blocked many sites, including ours, uh, but they cannot stop satellite. That's why our ministry, they cannot stop it. The signal comes from the sky with a vision inside their home. They're receiving these information. And not just our channel. They receive information about news, about what's happening in the world. So they are connected to outside world. And, and that's one reason the young people, they cannot deceive or intimidate the young people. You see these young people on the streets of Iran. Even high school, just three days ago, high schoolers joined the crowd. And high school girls joined the crowd. You know, Craig, this is history. Never in the history any revolution has been led by women. It's the first time ever that women are leading a revolution, and that's in Iraq.
1: If you've just joined our conversation, Pastor Hormoz Sharat is with us today. He is the leader of Iran Alive Ministries, been engaged in outreach and satellite broadcasting to that part of the world for many, many years now. We're talking about a recent story out of Iran that is capturing the attention of the entire globe. It is the story of Masha Amini, who had traveled to Tehran from another community in Iran to visit her brother and apparently had been seen by the so-called morality Police in either not fully wearing her um, uh, appropriate clothing, her Ajib, or perhaps it was being worn improperly. In any event, she was arrested for this violation. <coughs> Pardon me. Seasonal allergies uh, have, have been arrested for this violation and ultimately lost her life. Uh standing and not only the implications of all of this, but the broader impact on what it means for both women in Iran and The entire population is what we're discussing today and how all of this may, in fact, bring about um, some significant change and maybe the first hope for true democracy in Iran in well over five decades. We'll take a time out come back to more of our conversation as Lifeline continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: We've been talking about the, the historical over the last 43 years um, number of revolutions that have taken place, one that ushered in the current religious regime and then subsequent attempts to try and reverse all of that. Part of the Arab Spring, so-called, back in December of 2010, There's student protests in July of 2013, now the current protests, and it seems that every time these sort of uh, protests, particularly in the capital city, break out, that uh, the authorities come in with an iron fist and are able to shut down those protests, you have to wonder, is this going to be yet another failed attempt, or could there be some real momentum here? Pastor Hermos Shariot is with us today. He is the head of Iran Alive Ministry, outreach into Iran via satellite and other means. It's been having a tremendous impact on the nation for many, many years. More and more people day by day in what is largely a very closed, religiously speaking, very closed country, are being exposed to the truth of the gospel. That's certainly something that we can celebrate. Is it too early, however, to celebrate this current set of protests? And Maybe you can back up for the benefit of our listeners and help us gain a bit of understanding when we talk about the more Raveli police arresting this woman. What, what exactly does all of that mean?
3: Well, there are all kinds of police in Iran, and it's a police state in everything. In every, You cannot voice your opinion, let alone your clothes, because Islam dictates you how, what you wear, how you act, even their laws inside your home. You're not even free inside your home. If you have a party mixed men and women, they would they could, uh, you know, invade your home and they break door and they arrest you because you're breaking the law. of not even in the privacy of your home. So it's a police state, and one of the police job is this uh, morality police that they with uh, these cars they roam the streets, and if they see especially a woman. That is not, uh, her, her dress is not according to their code and Islamic code, which is very strict. If your hair is showing, you're breaking the law. And uh, that's why you see in the news some um, Iranian women cutting their hair. So the morality police is very brutal. They want to reinforce the clothes, the clothing. You may ask why they're so strict about the clothing. The reason is if they let that go, the people will take that another step and another step and they will ask for more and more freedom. So that's like a Berlin Wall for them. They standing there, they would not back off. And, that, and that's what makes it so important that women of Iran these days are out on the street. They are taking their covering up uh, off And they're burning it It's, a, it's a, both a political statement It's a cultural statement But also it's a spiritual statement That we do not want Islam So morality police And the police in Iran, by the way They don't live under the law So uh, they can do anything they, they can arrest you, they can kill you And nobody is going to take them to court Why did you kill this person? So they're very fearful And people are afraid of them
1: Give me a sense of what you know from your contacts on the inside, in in terms of um, the kind of response from the current political leadership. Ibrahim Raisi has only been in since 2021. Um, we know certainly in previous protests under Ahmadinejad as well as Rouhani uh, were met with an iron fist. Is there any sense that the current president would be would react any differently? Uh, It's very possible. By the way, the
3: president does not have the authority and the power. It's just uh, just a face. It's a supreme leader, Khamenei, who has all the power. The president does what he says. The president is chosen by him, and nobody, you know, uh, last year in the election, not many people showed up, but he was elected anyway. So it's not about Raisi, it's about Khamenei, the supreme spiritual leader, what he does. And uh, a couple of days ago, he had a speech, and uh, according to his speech, he did not mention the suffering of people. He did not mention what the, all these uh, riots are about. What he said is that Like threatening them. So, it's very likely that we will see more bloodshed in Iran and praying against it. But there is another possibility that the the Khamenei dies, they say he's sick, or he may flee the country. Either of those will speed up this uh, revolution. But uh, it's probably not. Uh, and we need to pray because when they come out this time, they, they in the previous times, they killed uh, 1,500 in 2019, a few hundred back, and people would go home because uh, they would back off. They would be afraid. But not this time. This time, the more they kill, the more people become angry and the more persistent, the more they disobey the laws of the land, coming on streets is disobeying, by the way. And uh, so it's not, this time it's not going to go away that easy. Maybe, possibly, they will turn into a major bloodshed in Iran.
1: You know, what's fascinating here, I, I think falsely, some Americans that, for example, have watched the news of what's going on in uh, neighboring Afghanistan for decades and, and kind of lump all these countries into sort of the same category, that they appear to be largely third world nations, terribly undeveloped, not terribly sophisticated. Uh, they, they might have a, a varying degrees of military presence, things of this sort. But it seems like, you know, to a certain degree, the 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 popular misconception. Is that they're run all uh, similar to to Afghanistan? That certainly has not been the history by any stretch of the imagination of, of Iran or the Persian people. It, 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 it's it's a nation that has been you know kind of the, the one time so Tehran was considered the the Paris of the of the Middle East, um, uh, well developed, uh, highly educated people. And I have to wonder in in terms of just sort of looking at the, the end game. I know, Pastor, what your heart is for the people of Iran, from both the spiritual as well as political dynamic, and I, uh, the disclaimer up front, I know that this is a, a terribly unfair question, but I'm just curious. From your perspective, looking at history, and what you know of the Iranian people, and where things are today, how do you see this ending? The end, as I shared, it, it's very that's
3: why we Christians we are working hard. We are uh, on our satellite channel, we, I, we have a daily live broadcast ministering to the suffering people of Iran. Why? We are not hopeless. Some of them are hopeless. Some of them are fearful. We are not, as Christians, because we know, according to Jeremiah forty nine thirty eight, Iran will be a Christian nation. Iran will be safe, and we have to give that hope to uh, to the to the people. And may I may I say, you know, people in the West that, that sometimes Iranians look at the West, especially the uh, the president and the politics in the West, even the media. And uh, they are so disappointed. They're saying, you can't even speak up. We are giving our lives for truth. And you're not even speaking up. And you're afraid of calling you Islamophobic? We live it. And we know Islam is phobic. And you don't even can raise your voices. And that's the criticism they have for the West. Speak up. Speak up for Jesus. When I share uh, how Americans, if they speak up for Jesus, they may be, um, uh, you know, persecuted in a way. Even at workplace, they can't believe it. They said, "Here in Iran, we may die, but we are standing up for Jesus or we're standing up against the government." But in America, you have such a comfortable life. When do you want to stand up and not be afraid of being called whatever? You know, I really appreciate a uh, lifeline Craig. I mean you you speak the truth but you speak it with love. And that's the way to go. We don't have to hate Muslims to tell the truth. You can lovingly tell the truth and this is a true Islam.
1: And and we certainly need to at the end of the day, Pastor, we, we need to do a better job at identifying who the real enemy is. And of course the, the greatest tool we have at our disposal to be able to identify who the enemy is is scripture. And in the simplest of terms we know that in reality we we do not battle against flesh and blood, meaning we're not in a fight with each other. But in fact, we do that battle. We're engaged in that battle. Principalities and powers in high places. It is the enemy of our soul that seeks to kill and destroy, right? The John ten ten verse. And so to recognize that we need to be praying for the people of Iran, acknowledging that those that are diehard adherents to Islam are so because they have been deceived and by the way, <laughs> materialism and paganism—that seems to run abundant in the West. It's it's the product of the same kind of deception, just so that we don't get on our high horses and think, "Thank goodness we in the West are not like that." Yeah, we, we just we just serve a different false god, put it that way. But false god, nevertheless. And so, understanding the need to be praying for the people of Iran, um, standing with them, supporting organizations that are providing not only material support but but most importantly, spiritual support and outreach. Um, it's not. Easy task to be sure, and uh, I'm just reminded, uh, Pastor, with your uh, your observation that you know uh, to whom much is given, much is expected, and uh, we perhaps here in the West need to do a far better job, particularly in the United States, of stepping up to the plate um, and uh, recognizing just how blessed we have been, and doing more that we can to help others that have not been so similarly blessed. At least we see our own liberties one day disappear. Pastor Hormuz Shariat, information again available on the web at IranAliveMinistries.org. That's Iran, I-R-A-N, IranAliveMinistries.org. Pastor, we appreciate your time, your hard work. We pray for your ongoing um, strength and stamina in this work. And thank you so much for joining us today with that update. Six o'clock, a little bit past, so let's get you updated real quick. We're back with more in the second hour of Lifeline coming up next